And now we're on to part two with Dr. Shooker. So, you know, Dr. Shooker, one of the biggest, uh, I'm going to say observations that even my mother made when she was at a big uh, university type hospital was how many times she had to tell her story over and over Mm. again. Mm. How many clinicians walked in the room in a given day at the end of it? You know, my mom was in her 80s, you know, said, don't these people talk to each other? Because she had to tell her story about about where she was, what her history was, where to every almost every new clinician that came into that room. No one knew came in during her whole entire stay. Did you know that? Yeah. No uh, one knew. That's the uniqueness, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. Of, uh, of a small hospital is that we have I see the physicians in the hallway all the time. We right. all talk amongst each other. We have we. We have the abilities to reach out to each other, pick up a phone, say, hey, thank you for seeing my patient. Like when I'm calling a specialist, we're all on the same page. Um, so when we're going to the patient's room, we're, we're all talking the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, in bigger hospitals, when I worked there, I would see a patient. It will be five, six hours later. Someone else will see the patient, but they won't come circle back to me because they're busy seeing more patients. Right. Um, and they get lost in transition, and I have to wait a whole day, maybe two, to see yeah. – what their note was, what they wanted to do, uh, and that add to patients staying longer in the hospital, expose them to other things that you won't necessarily be exposed to in the hospital sure. here in rural hospitals. Absolutely. So yeah. that sounds exhausting. It's like being on customer service with the cable company, and every person <laughs> they escalate you to, you got to start over again. Start all over. Yeah. Right. And that can be frustrating for someone whether they're advanced age or not. Is just that repetitive story, right. and you just feel exhausted, like. Ugh. One more time, but a you new feel, person. But the patient feel that they're not heard. Yeah. Or, exactly. they, or they start leaving stuff out, yeah. right? Yeah. And it, Information and that's not shared. Yeah. And I think along. it creates a trust issue, too, yeah, because it, it does. to your point, patients are thinking, you know, these people aren't talking to each other. And a lot of times it's because they're not, like mm-hmm. you just said. So that makes a big difference in a patient's ability to trust and feel confident in the care that they're getting, I mm-hmm. think. Well, I think, Rachel, it brings the whole perspective. And you've heard this phrase before. You're not just a number. Right. You know, you're you're a unique individual. And I'm not accusing uh, big institutions of just having patients as numbers, but there is a element of truth to that. Right, right. Because when you have hundreds and hundreds of clinicians rotating through there, you are just a patient X in a bed. Mm-hmm. And here it becomes different because of the relational uh, aspect of providing care. So, you know, I think that that's what really sets apart a hospital's program in a rural hospital versus something in a large place. Right, right. And you really, to me, it sounds like the way you were describing it, knowing the patient's health history, it sounds like one of the benefits of people having a primary care physician or a primary care provider is that they have one person who knows their health history. They're not going to somebody different every time. They're not always just going to a walk-in clinic and seeing a different person. They have someone who has that big picture perspective. And what you're describing sounds like the inpatient version of that, that most people aren't going to have the advantage of because there are so many different providers and there is such a huge, they're they're just a cog in a system. Mm Whereas with this, they've got that benefit of, you know, their history, you can pick up where you left off, like you said. And let's talk about that with COVID-19, because the relational <laughs> aspect Huge. of working with patients with COVID, I imagine, is a challenge. I mean, you've got a physical barrier of PPE now between you and your patients, not just the barrier of relationship and trust and all those things that you have to do in the process of providing care. So tell us just a little bit about your experience practicing medicine in the middle of a pandemic. Well, um, where to begin? <laughs> right. 
And I it's mean, your first one, too. Your first pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> right. I wasn't there for the Spanish flu or, or the, yeah, either one. Right. Right. Uh, I wasn't born right. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, my experience, I, I mean, it's relatable to many that early on, I mean, all healthcare workers were in the same boat. We all kind of shared the same experience. We didn't know what we were getting into or what we were facing. Mm-hmm. We knew we had a serious illness going around that we had no idea of how to treat, where did it come from, why is it doing what it's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we were just going with our best, you know, up-to-date information mm-hmm. of how to, how to combat this. We were all in the same boat, whether you're a rural hospital, major university center, we all were in the same boat. We're, true. We're mm-hmm. all, you know, clawing at, at the walls trying to figure out how how to beat this, you know. Um, you know, it was just not even the physical barriers between the patients, between the PPEs. It was literally the patients themselves. Um, they were isolated away from their families. Yeah. Um, they were scared. I mean, everything you heard on TV uh, that, you know, they, they were, the medium at the, in the beginning did not really do a good no. job, you know. Horrific. They, they, they scared a lot of they people. Did. They instilled fear in people's eyes. So I, I saw that fear when the patient's in the hospital bed and you tell them, hey, you have COVID and they're in the hospital with COVID. They're like, oh, God, you know. They think it's a death sentence. I mean, at the Pretty beginning, much. that was really yeah. the that was perception a, a lot of well, people had. Well, that's what had. they heard, right? And, that, right? and that's what they heard. And, and, you know, to say, not just from the patients, just the healthcare workers in general, they're like, oh, God, we're handling this beast. Are we really, is this PPE really going to help us? Right. We don't mm-hmm. know if that PPE was enough. Uh, I mean, if you remember early on, the recommendations for PPEs kept changing daily mm-hmm. of, you know, what's appropriate mm-hmm. uh, personal protective equipment to wear. Um, you know, and, you know, sadly, a lot of healthcare workers, Lost their lives early on. They did. Um, and then uh, trying to trying to console a patient and trying to tell them they're in good hands. We're really early on. We still didn't know how. What's the most effective treatment? And you know, was that statement really just trying to soften them, trying to make them at ease? When really we were, you know, we had our hands tied behind our back. We were just watching them. You know, Doctor Shooker, The other issue is. Uh, something that happened, which is what we call the unintended consequence. So there had been so much focus on don't come into the hospital because you're going to contract COVID and mm-hmm. patients were afraid. And, you know, now you have sicker oh, yeah. we patients. Saw, we, we saw that towards uh, spring, summer, uh, where that boiled over, where a lot of people that needed medical attention early on that did not have COVID, they they stayed at home yeah. in mm-hmm. fear. Uh, and their other medical conditions worsened. They some of them didn't even go to their primary care physician. Didn't even go outside, go and fill their own prescription that they right. normally supposed to take. Right. Oh my gosh. And, and they yeah. subsequently started to deteriorate at home. And then they're just pulling up in the ambulance at near death. Yeah. Where when this could have been all avoided had they come in earlier and seek medical attention. But you know, goes to show you know back to my statement the media really instilled fear in the they population. Did. And, they did. And we've been trying to claw our way out of that for now months, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, through positive advertising and saying, come into the ERs, it's safe and get the care that you need. Don't put it off because what we were finding, and we had a story early on that Rachel and I uh, talked on this podcast about, we had an individual that the ambulance showed up to her house and she refused to go in. She was having an active heart attack. And she said she felt more safe at her home than she did and why is that? Because of what we've listened to time and again, that it's not safe. It's not safe. I want to let our listeners know, your emergency departments across America, they're safe places. They're safer yeah. than they've probably ever been. Ever yeah. been. They have precautions in place that yeah. aren't typical. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, like, you know, you asked me a question about, you know, I'm going to kind of integrate between rural medicine and university medicine. Um, 
when it came to COVID-19, it didn't matter which institution was on your badge or which institution you represented. It's true. The whole community and the, you know, the medical community as a whole came together. We all started sharing information, whether you're from a rural I mean, we're here at Hillsdale Hospital. We were grateful. We had access to care that the major hospitals were didn't doing. Have. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, right. some didn't have, and we right. had them. We had it. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of my colleagues at other institutions, they didn't have PPEs. Here at our rural center, uh, rural rural health center at Hillsdale Hospital, we uh, not once did we have a shortage of PPEs. And uh, we were properly equipped with the latest uh, guidelines, uh, latest PPE guidelines at all times. So I felt safer than my other colleagues at bigger institutions. Um, you know, I remember I, I posted a pic. I was wearing a uh, capper, mm-hmm. like the, the moon suit. Yeah. And one of my one of my friends, she's like, "Who? How? How? How'd you get that? You're in hills, like pretty much saying you're in hills. <laughs> yeah, how, right. how do you have thinking like, that you were probably yeah. like, yeah, you know, like we're limited resources. Like we practice right. with rusty yeah. tools. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, we have uh, <laughs> operating theaters and stuff. <laughs> like we use Windows ninety eight. <laughs> green screen. You yeah. don't know what that is. No. Green screen. So, so I was like, no, we have it here. I mean, I, I always felt safe doing my job during the COVID pandemic, and it was all thanks to the, you know, everybody here at Hillsdale. I mean, especially the administration. They were, we, I mean, we came together quickly. We, we, we formed a task force, and you know, we had. Every daily meetings mm-hmm. initially, uh, coming up with the latest guidelines, latest treatment options. We all formulated, we all brainstormed. You know how are we gonna provide these cares to the patients here in the community? Because our community was just hit harder than oh, yeah. more communities around us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm proud to say that you know at Hillsdale, I gave. I, I was always reassuring patients while here in Hillsdale Hospital when they had COVID that they are getting the up to date treatment for mm-hmm. COVID nineteen as if they were in the other center. Right. And that kind of put them at ease. That And it's all goes to all the hard work that went in to, yeah. to, to obtaining that. Well, without a doubt, uh, our listeners today hear the passion uh, in your voice. And uh, it's true. It's real. I, I've watched the fire in your belly. And believe it or not, we're on to the last question of the day. And it's one in which I want you to reflect. Um, you know, there's going to be hospital CEOs and administrators across America listening to this podcast. And the hardest thing for them is to not only recruit, but also retain top talent and physicians. So, you know, I, I want to ask this question. Um, as, as you continue to practice here, Dr. Shooker, and, and my hope is uh, that your eyes will not get fixed on a bigger prize, uh, that, in fact, you know, you'll continue to, to work with us in rural health. You know, what experiences have you had that keep you here that maybe is something that another administration, another hospital listening to this can invest in to keep their providers? Because as we know, in rural health, it's hard to find providers, but then it's hard to find really good providers. Yeah. What uh, advice would you give? Well, I want to speak personally on my why I felt yes. so comfortable. I mean, apart from me ability to adapt to different environments, um, every time I asked for something or, you know, suggested something, I was listened to. You know, um, if I needed something, you know, whether it be as small as, you know, a parking spot, per se, which really is not it. I, you know, I got it. You know, not, it was from the importance to, I don't remember the housing that, you oh, know, yeah. the housing that I had. And it was hard to get the parking spot with a helicopter that he lands. But, you <laughs> oh, know, right. I yeah, mean, it yeah, was, yeah. Uh, no, we, no. We, made, we made the provisions. But, but, but what I'm trying to say, it was easy, <laughs> the C-suite, as we like to call it, the administration oh, yeah. office, was the doors was always open. I, I, sure. You know, for me to walk in, you know, even just to say hello or even ask for suggestions, mm-hmm. I was never felt like, you know, it's not as important. Right. You know, 
large institutions, you're just like I said, an employee. You don't get to talk to the CEO. You know, you don't have the time with the CEO or the CEO texting you, hey, how's it going? Right. Building that relationship um, feel as important as everyone else in the hospital. And, I, you know, I never want to feel more important than anyone else myself either. Right. Um, I always said we're all we're one team. And, you know, being able to keep the line of communication, you know, always seeing what we need, what what's the physician need here. And, I mean, just to take that bar- barrier of rural medicine that we're disconnected from the world, we're not. You know, helping physician kind of transition mm-hmm. and adapt and feel comfortable and all the above. So what I hear is for my colleagues listening to this is reach out to your providers, build a relationship with them, keep that relationship real, mm-hmm. let your door be open, and you may just be able to retain some of that top talent. Yeah. Uh, talk to them. Yeah. It's pretty Incredible much. advice, right? Yeah. Just talk to them. Just, right. Something just talk, we often forget. Yeah, just talk yeah, to them. You know, absolutely. It doesn't have to be about medicine. Talk to them about anything absolutely. in life. Absolutely. Know, feel connected with them. Absolutely. So connection is the key. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening today to Dr. Ali Shuker, a program director for our hospice program at Hillsdale Hospital. Dr. Shuker, I want to once again thank you for joining us today. Uh, you've provided some very meaningful insight, and I want to commend you for the remarkable job that you've done leading us clinically uh, through COVID-19, ensuring that our patients had the proper care, the most effective care. And I'm going to tell you, you walked a lot of patients down that hallway uh, into healing and victory as they walked out of this facility, and that's got to feel pretty good. So on behalf of Hillsdale Hospital, administration staff, and the entire community, thank you for your service. Absolutely. My pleasure. So before we close, Dr. Sugar, we like to do a fun segment with each of our guests. So we want to know, what is your most unique rural experience or one of your favorite memories that is unique to rural life? One of the most unique experiences, you know, that really I haven't learned or taught in residency or, you know, or seen at other institutions is how to effectively uh, take care of a certain population, and that's the Amish population. Mm-hmm. Um so those listening, you know, the Amish population is a, is a large portion of our population here in Hillsdale County. They're, you know, uh, Amish uh, have a different culture, a uh, different way of life. They have different belief systems uh, than maybe the mainstream uh, individual in the community. They don't drive cars. They drive uh, horse and buggies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they typically don't have electricity. Um, they will have a generator to do some work. And it depends on which sect you're from. Uh, but we are, I mean, there's a heavy infiltration of that population. And I grew up in uh, surrounded to the left of me was Amish, to the right of me was Amish, and behind us were Amish, and that's how we grew up. Yeah, so the electricity portion is what I what was the challenging uh, thing, because I had a uh, Amish patient that was diabetic that I needed to put on insulin, and insulin, as we know, it needs to be refrigerated, Yeah, mm-hmm. and it needs uh, electricity, because mm-hmm. uh, you can't have insulin sitting out because it's ineffective. So, you know, initially I just wrote the order, and then someone called me and said, hey, you know... And it's not something you think about right away when you're writing an order. I was like, oh, so how am I going to do this? So then I went and talked to the patient. And I actually, the patient himself, I kind of built a relationship with him as well because I ended up visiting him on the forum one time. Um, it's kind of neat. It is. The, it the, is. The, 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 the they make wonderful very, pies. And bread. Oh. Yeah, Amish bread. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. I'm hungry. It's, is it lunchtime yet? Oh, yeah, exactly. But, but then I realized... I can write a special waiver. Some of them, if I write a special waiver, they're allowed to have from their uh, community leader mm-hmm. access to power so they can have a ice box or a refrigerator to store the medication needed. 
So it was kind of unique. Like, okay, every you know normal treatment for diabetes, insulin, but I had right. to take it extra. Now you have to write an order for power. Order for power. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that is authority right there. Yeah, that, that you was, are that, restoring but, but it was unique, power. But it was unique. It was it was pretty yeah, cool. That actually. is unique, isn't it? Yeah. So that's not something you're gonna be worried about when you're working in a big city. But, Absolutely not. But it, it was fun. It was, and I built a relationship with that with, with that patient, and it was just unique. I, I enjoy. Yes. It. I tell the story all the time to people. Yes, very know. unique. Thank you again for joining us today, Dr. Shooker. It was great to have you on the program. Next time on Rural Health Rising, we'll talk about rural health advocacy at the state level. So be sure to tune in. And as a reminder, we are collecting patient testimonials to be featured during our Voice of the Patient segment. If you have an experience to share about the positive impact you or your loved one has had as a patient at a rural hospital or healthcare provider, call our direct-to-voicemail line at 269-447-1265 or email us at marketing at hillsdalehospital.com and share your story. You just might be featured on a future episode of Rural Health Rising. And with that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell others why they should listen too. Your feedback helps more listeners find Rural Health Rising. So until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay strong. Rural Health Rising is a production of Hillsdale Hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan, hosted by J.J. Hodshire and Rachel Lott. Audio engineering and original music by Kenji Ulmer. Special thanks to today's guest, Dr. Ali Shooker, Medical Director of Hospitalist Medicine for Hillsdale Hospital. For more interviews like this and more information or to share your patient or family testimonial with us, visit RuralHealthRising.com.